1: I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 12 of Parenting Aces Podcast, a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and today we are going to be talking off-court fitness for tennis players, junior tennis players, and collegiate tennis players, and those aspiring to play professionally. And my guest, once again, is Dean Hollingworth, who those of you who've been watching or listening for a while, you are very familiar with Dean's name, and I will have a link to our prior podcast together in the show notes, because Dean has shared some incredible information over the years with the Parenting Aces community, and I'm super excited to have him back. We are nearing the end of our season, which is crazy, but we only have a couple episodes left and I am looking forward to taking a little break and regearing for season 13 in 2024. If there are any particular guests or topics that you'd like to see on the podcast, please, please, please reach out. You can email me, lisa at parentingaces.com, or you can reach out to me via direct message on any of the social media channels. I'm on all of them, so I really look forward to hearing from you. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with fitness specialist, Dane Hollingworth. Day, then Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Then it's been way too long. And I am so happy to get you back and so happy to see your smiling face. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Are you home in Canada?
2: Yes, I am home in Canada right now. Thank you, Lisa, for having me on. And you're 100% right. It's been way too long. And I'm really happy to be here with you tonight.
1: Well, we've got a lot to chat about. So um, we're recording this. It's mid-October-ish. It's probably not going to air for a few weeks. But... Um, I want to just kind of jump right into what's going on in pro tennis just from what I'm seeing on social media with players being injured and pulling out of events at the end of the year, and this whole thing that's happening with so much competition and and players not having those, kind of training blocks to mm-hmm. take time away from the competition court to really work on their fitness levels wow. um, and all those things. And and I I know we're jumping right in here and, and for my listeners, I wanna just tell you in the show notes, there are going to be links to prior podcasts with Dean. And I encourage you to go back and watch or listen to those um, to give you a little more background on who he is and what his credentials are. But you have to just trust me that he's the guy when it comes to off-court fitness training. So um, yeah, what's going on?
2: Well, first of all, thank you. That's that's very kind of you to say. And you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it's the pro, it's not only at the pro level, though. We, we, we're seeing it all levels of, of tennis, whether it's at the college level or at the junior level. At the pro level right now, what I feel is happening is that as the season, because it is almost a 12-month season, let's be honest. Okay, yeah. They get November off and then they start ramping up uh, <clears throat> mid-December, getting ready. You know, If they're heading off to Australia, a couple of tournaments before, adjust at a time. But they're trying to get in as much as possible at the end and packing too much volume into such a small amount of time to expect an athlete of any level, um, especially like a junior level. But even the professional, I mean, these are high quality athletes that we're talking about that train specific for their sport and, and the rigors of the sport. It's a very difficult sport. On the body, especially if we're playing on hard court, yeah. Tournament after tournament, if you continuously make it to a reasonable level, if you're making it deep into tournaments, quarters, semis, that's a lot of that's a lot of mileage on the legs, and the body cannot sustain, can uh, cannot keep up with that, Mm -hmm. you know. It's not just about the physicality. It's the mental aspect of it, too. It's the traveling. It's not like you're staying in one spot, first of all, for eight weeks and just playing tennis. No. You know, you have to pack up. You have to travel. There's time change. Number one, the exhaustion. Um fighting for points the the psychological stress we always talk about the physical stress which is there especially if you're going you know to these places where it's really hot i i was i'm working with an with an atp player right now he went down to the carolinas and he wasn't used to it like he was he was battered just by the weather itself yeah and i think if we could if the athletes let's say if the athletes could plan out um a more realistic schedule, I think it would be extremely beneficial. Now it's easy to say, because listen, unless you're in the, I forget what it is, but if you're not in the top 50, if not even the top 40, it's such a difficult um, way to make a living. I mean, we, we have to keep in mind, like I said, travel, room and board. Most of them have coaches with them and You know, you're not making these big, huge sums of money that we see that are happening at the slams. I mean, these athletes, men and women, are really struggling financially. So they have to play. They want to play the tournaments in order to to maintain this lifestyle, to play this sport that they love. So I think better management, if it's possible of tournament and then also we have to combine um a fitness training program within that in order to maintain a healthy body so you go on the road for 6 weeks let's say or 6 to 8 weeks you have to maintain somehow the athlete has to find a way of getting that training in in order to avoid You know, these typical injuries that we're seeing shoulder problems, you know, if it's obliques or knees or lower back, even maintaining a good fitness program with all the essentials around it. And listen, having a good, having a good team around you also is imperative. I know. um, Yeah. I mean, the ATP player that I'm working with, we talk every day. I mean, or pretty close to every day is, okay, what's going on? And I just don't send them a program. I mean, this, this program's based on, okay, how many days first we say, okay, how many days are you outside of the tournaments? Okay. We got three days. How are you feeling? Hey, listen, if you're telling me you're exhausted, I don't want to make you more tired. And I I just think it's really being smart and the athletes being honest with themselves saying, you know what? I'm going to take the next tournament off. I'm going to recover a little and be healthier going into a tournament. And with that being more competitive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then when you take that down to the junior level, where you're dealing with bodies that are still growing and developing hormones that are going nuts. um, And, you know, let's face it, not every family can afford to have a coach travel with their child and a fitness expert and a nutrition Mm -hmm. expert. And, you know, there are a lot of variables that come in. But what we don't want to see is kids developing these injuries over and over and over again that are keeping them away from the game that presumably they love and that brings them joy because their bodies are given out on them
2: um i i think on a certain level it's even worse at the at the junior level because The kids are playing. I know this summer I was pulling my hair out. I mean, literally, I was just like, you can't be playing again. You've played four tournaments in a week and you're 13 years old. Like, I think we're a little short sighted sometimes like, oh, we got to get the points. We want to move up into rankings. Yeah, it's great. But we all, what about development? You know like we're talking about injury prevention but what about developing the athlete too for the future and seeing okay you're 13 where do you want to be 14 15 not where you want to be in the next 2 to 3 weeks but you know the the tournament schedule doesn't help either because they're playing there, there's there's this tournament if you're 13 you're playing 14 and under and then maybe you'll play 16 and under and then come on guys, like don't, if you're 13 and you're playing 18 and I really have to question that. And then we start talking about injuries, right? Well, we're talking about injuries due to excessive playing. We're talking to injuries for, for young adults, as you said, that are still developing, they're putting a massive stress on their body. And now they're going to play in some cases, a somebody that isn't an adult by definition, but body-wise is pretty close. And now the ball's coming faster and they're behind the ball and, and they're not making proper contact and the arm's getting jolted. These are the things that just keep lending into our injury problem. The volume, first of all, volume, you know, the amount of hours that you're playing in a week. It's not just tournaments and then out of the tournament doesn't mean you try and chase. I love when I see the junior athletes trying to take on even more lessons the week before the tournament. Listen, the week before the tournament, you are who you are. Okay, we're trying to clean things up and get you prepared. Um, It's not time to increase volume. A lot of parents have that wrong. Oh, big term, we got to get more. If anything, you want to taper. You want to start having that the body feel refreshed. You want to have that super compensation. So when they step on court, there is no fatigue from the week after. There is this feeling of readiness. There's this feeling of freshness of, oh, I can't wait to play. And I feel like I can play to the top of my level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a good point, Dean, that you know the week before competition is you want the child to peak during the tournament yes. not 2 days before the <laughs> tournament <laughs>
2: no, you know and it it's it, we're laughing but it's something that that we see so yeah. you know just just as a guideline if if you're if you're starting a tournament on a saturday let's say you know monday you can come in you can have a decent day tuesday you can have a decent day but then you know You want to have a couple of matches in there. You don't have to be practicing twice a day. You don't have to be doing over, you know, two or three hours. And if I say three hours, I'm throwing in an hour of fitness in there too. And the fitness has to be smart also. I'm not burning a young or any athlete, for that matter, out on a Wednesday when I know they're going to start play on a Saturday. Mm. It's, you know, I just had a, a young man doing ITFs. He was with me today. He's 17 and like, we had a big workout today because why his tournament's starting on Monday, I'm seeing him again on Friday. I told him, I said, listen, Chris, we're going to focus on a lot of movement reaction. It's you're going to get good rest time in between because I don't want you feeling exhausted after the training session contrary. I want them to feel revived. I want them to feel excited and like, wow. And that whole emotional component behind it that I feel ready to compete and I'm ready to go. Not like I just got my ass whooped by my coach.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And this kind of is a great segue into a discussion about off-court fitness training and who should be guiding our athletes and why you can't just walk into a 24-hour fitness and talk to the first personal trainer you see Mm -hmm. and hire them to work with your 15-year-old. What Yeah, is it that sets tennis-specific fitness training apart from more generic
2: gym work? That's a great question. I love that question, by the way. And I, if, if I don't answer it, because I'm going to go off on a tangent. So there's a little warning coming up here. Please re-ask. <laughs> so we don't just see this, though, at the junior level. You know, I, I've worked with a lot. I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of athletes that had, you know, the, that had the opportunity and have gone to university and play university tennis. Now we think, oh, university tennis, big schools, uh, they must have their programs great. I can't tell you how many times I've been told, like, yeah, it's the strength condition, the assistant strength and conditioning coach for the football team doing yes. our conditioning. And we're training like football players. Yes. So I mean, it's 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 happening everywhere. Um, I find at the club level, especially with, with sports study programs what happens often and i'm very fortunate that i'm at a club that they understand the importance of fitness that they hire a young um trainer coming you know a year or two out of exercise science kinesiology and paying the minimum like you know cutting a corner yes we have somebody that graduated from this great program but doesn't have the experience a of working with young people working with young athletes, and more specifically, tennis players. So you asked the question, and I'm very proud of myself. I didn't forget. Um, I've said this on numerous occasions, and I'm going to say it again. Tennis is the most difficult sport to train for. So people might be saying, well, how do you know? Well, prior to, you know, I've been in tennis specifically 100% for, for 12 to 15 years now. Prior to that, I worked with athletes. I always make the joke. The only athlete I've never trained is a curler, which is weird since I am in Canada, right? Yeah, yeah. So when I made the switch to tennis, I took it upon myself, A, to learn as much as I can about specific type of, we'll call it, quote unquote, tennis-specific training, Mm -hmm. learn the specific movements of the sports, talk with coaches to see, you know, what are the swing patterns? Where are the stress put on? What are we trying to build? And then became really um, a student of the game from the standpoint, listen, I'm horrible at tennis. Let's just get that out there. So don't even if you ever watch me playing tennis, don't laugh. But on on a note is, I really I watched so much practice, I talked with so many coaches, I had the f- great fortune of traveling with some of the best coaches in the world and I spent every minute I could on court examining the game and putting together and just being sensible and reasonable because I think sometimes people get caught up in all of this social media and Instagram and cool stuff. If you looked at my training programs, they're not that exciting. But I'll tell you what, they do strengthen the body the way it needs it for tennis. It does help protect, because nothing is for sure, you can't stop injuries, but it does, in my opinion, help the athletes, uh, protect the athletes as much as they can for the rigors of the sport, and also prepares them cardiovascularly for tennis itself. And I think those three, Lisa, proper training, the injury, um, the injury prevention, if you will, and the cardiovascular aspect of it are so important because if you're missing one of those, then that's where we start to see, you know, perhaps some things happening that we don't want to.
1: And so what are some tennis specific types of exercises that our players should be doing Mm -hmm. that you're seeing kind of a gap in the knowledge there, a gap in the practice there.
2: Um, That great question. So, First of all, to say to say that an exercise is tennis specific is, is a little bit misleading, from the standpoint that if I throw a medicine ball with a with a player doesn't mean it's tennis specific because I might do the same thing with a hockey player or a right. different type of you know positioning with a pitcher, let's say um, a squat. You know everybody should squat, so it's not tennis specific. So having said that, because I just want to make it clear, but there are certain things that. People, I mean, first of all, I think the warm up, the warm up for me has changed drastically. Like, if you examine the warm up I'm doing today compared to even three or four years ago, it is completely different. I was lucky enough to do a presentation in Nor- Oslo, Norway, three weeks ago. And I talked specifically about this. I said, you know what? I don't like the word warm up anymore. Because what does warm up say? It means I've broken a sweat. But I can stand in a in a sauna and break a sweat doesn't mean I'm ready to and prepared to play a sport. So tennis is multi-dimensional. So the warm-up should also be multi-dimensional. So what does that mean? Well, it has to address mobility. Your players have to have the proper mobility, and if they don't have the proper mobility, that is definitely an area where we can start seeing some injuries to occur. <clears throat> then they have to be properly prepared in se- in in the sense of movement so what are you doing for movement so one of the things i've often said is that your warm up should be representative of the of the sport you're going to be doing meaning if you're not performing crossovers if you're not performing you know shuffles if you're not performing backward movements sprints um, that type of stuff, some type of medicine ball or even elastic work in order to get the core firing to get the shoulders going we're missing out and parents and players and coaches have to understand that the warm-up is also a learning period. So when I see warm-ups that look like two laps around the court, I want to cry like I just want to literally cry because I'm thinking okay, Let's look at them run. We know it's going to be messy. And quite honestly, it is a waste of time to take two laps around the court. You can be doing something much more beneficial for the body. Same thing for shuffling. If you're going to shuffle around a court and we see that also, why would you? Like, think of it. What's the most amount of shuffles you'd ever want to do in a match? Perhaps two, three. I don't think so. (laughs) So why would you shuffle around a court? You know, work on that change of direction. You asked one of the things, what are we not working on properly? Change of direction and deceleration. If you don't, we talk about making athletes faster and stronger, which is great. But when they get to the ball, they do have to stop. So if we're not, A, working on deceleration, I think that's a big, big one. We need to have strong lower bodies. We need to have strong upper bodies. You know, everyone talks about legs getting you there. But the upper body has to be equally strong in order to go through, you know, whatever it is. Three, four hours of forehands, backhands, and serves. It has to be able to stay in one place.
1: So you say running around the court and doing shuffles around the court is not the ideal way to get ready to compete.
2: Instead, what would you have an athlete do? So you know what? We're going to do this. I'm really excited about this. I'm happy you brought it up. Anyone listening tonight, I'm going to send you a link to my uh, uh, 2023 warm-up and you guys awesome. can look at it okay and so i'm going to give you a you, i'm just going to give you a quick overview so okay. we start the first exercise we actually do some breathing just breathing getting getting centered um expanding the rib cage then we do some shoulder mobility and then the alt- the exercises are very multidimensional from the standpoint that n- not one exercise is just doing one thing. We're looking at ankle mobility. We're looking at hip mobility. We're looking at thoracic mobility. We're looking at some core activation. We're looking at shoulder strengthening. We're looking at shoulder mobility and getting the, the body completely prepped. Then we go into this act this activation with elastics. So elastics around the ankles, elastics for the upper body. And one thing that I've really come to love is performing a lunge sequence. So imagine a forward lunge, a lateral lunge, a reverse lunge, and a curtsy. So you have four different Ooh, ones while love performing that. upper body elastic exercises. Ooh.
1: Yeah. Which challenges the balance too
2: challenges the balance but also really activates you know activates the shoulder and actually strengthens the shoulder mm-hmm. and you know I've I've done this warm-up with some with kids that perhaps come to the club they're not used to it they find it difficult yeah. but the warm-up itself already is is a training tool. imagine you're doing uh, so four 12 you're doing 24 lunges let's say 25 you do that five days a week it's 125 lunges in a week in a month. I don't do math, but it's uh, probably about five hundred. And um, yeah, so being really efficient, I think that's the number one step. We're not paying attention enough to the warm up uh, as we're putting it together. I'm sorry to say this, and I don't want to insult any coaches, are not paying enough attention to the athletes when they're warming up. That that's another thing. We we're expecting the athletes to go on court and to perform and to start performing with the warm up. And if they don't, we're like, hey, pay attention. Well, coaches, you got to be paying attention too. It's not time to be on your phones. It's not time to be talking about the lesson plan. And especially not time to be talking about what happened last night, you know, during during the ball game. But we have to be there for them. I would really highly suggest that the tennis coaches do the warm-up with the athletes. You know, tennis coaches, I love when when I go and I do a mobility session at a conference and I get these tennis coaches on the ground, and all I hear is, oh, oh, and I'm like, yeah, but guys, guys, the the guys and, and, and women, we have to be honest here. We use our bodies for our livelihood. And if we don't take care of it, I mean, you might be packing it in a little earlier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And getting the body ready to play is it's got to be step 1. You can't just start playing. You've got no. to do something to get the body prep for that. And as you said, starting with the breathing. I love that. That's mm. step 1 of your yeah. get ready to play because that gets the mind ready as well as the body, right? So, we've, you know, had a lot of guests on this podcast talking about the mental side of tennis, but getting centered focusing inward for even for 30 seconds to take those few deep breaths is so beneficial.
2: yeah. I mean they they we have nine deep breaths like big inhales, exhale from three different positions. And the other thing I, I want to tack on to that, talking about getting ready, the last thing I want is an athlete that I'm working with to be on a court and have their first quick movement, be in, be in, be in a drill or in a competition. That's why, you know, all, all of the warmups end off with some very aggressive, uh, shuffling to sprints and movement and changes of direction. So as you said, and you're a hundred percent, right. The body is ready.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just say, you know, I play league tennis and, um, Mm you know, getting older, my body's getting older. And the one thing that I have noticed that's giving me issues as I, every year it gets a little bit worse, is that changing direction. So incorporating something in my preparation that gets my body firing and ready to go from right to left and zig and zag and all of that because um, where you start to feel it is the knees and the hips and the ankles, right? And mm-hmm. and yeah, once those little niggling injuries start, they just quickly can snowball, especially at my age, but even in a 10-year-old.
2: Uh, and you know what? I think age... Really, I mean, obviously, younger, they have a better chance at, at being more supple and having better mobility. <clears throat> but kids are sitting in school all day long also. And, you know, we, we've we heard it said so many times that sitting is the new smoking, Um, you know, the hamstrings. People are showing up with really tight ankles a lot. And one thing I'd, I'd like to share is that what people might not realize is that the body... Is uh, is is essentially a segment of joints stacked on top of one another. So, and they they alternate between stable and mobile. So, you know, if if you look at your wrist, well, your wrist you can bend side side, you can do three sixties, and you can go front and back. That means it's a mobile joint. If you look at your elbow, well, it can't do the same thing, or at least it shouldn't. And it's a stable joint. Right. But if we relate that to the lower body and we say, well, oh, ankle mobility, why is that important? Well, because if you don't have good ankle mobility, what's going to happen to the knee? Because the body's smart. It's going to try to accomplish whatever it needs to accomplish. So a lack of mobility in one area is going to go ask another area to be more mobile that is not meant to be mobile. So that's why... Um, outside of tennis. That's why we see so many lower back problems, because people's hips are just so tight. And yeah. then the lower back, uh, the lumbar spine just takes a, you know, a kicking.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And even starting with the feet, right? And mm. and this is something that, again, the older I get, the more I notice, you know, I'm, I'm really having to pay attention to my feet and take care of my feet. But mm. Proper socks, proper shoes are super important for our young athletes because we we want their feet to be protected. We want them to... Have the the necessary cushion to absorb, you know, the constant beating, and that's your first contact, right? Is your foot on the ground, and if you look at the kinetic chain, it starts with your feet and it moves up the body. So, I mean, there are all these little bits and pieces that we kind of just say, "Oh, you know, my kid's shoes are worn out, but you know, let's let them go a couple more weeks." Well, that could be the difference between an ankle injury or not.
2: Well, I mean, it's brilliant what you said because and I'm glad you brought that up. Because one thing I didn't mention about the warm-up is that we do our warmup barefoot. Uh, we do it in socks. Um, so you know, why? The, the athletes say and, why and you said what's that?
1: Why do you do it in socks so, instead of in you know? Shoes?
2: But you 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 gave the answer to that already. What is the first thing that makes contact with the ground? It's your foot. You gotta take good care of that because if there is if if the body's not receiving the appropriate information from the ankle and the foot, it's like, you know, stepping on a hose. You're, it's not going to be fluid coming up. So information is sent up and then it's sent down. So if you have bad ankles or you know your feet aren't what they should be it affects your squat for example mm-hmm. but by doing by doing the exercises barefoot first of all you're really helping strengthen the foot and you're getting a better stretch certain of the mobility exercises that we do really put a nice strain on the foot on the big toe itself in order to maintain that mobility and you know at the end of your workouts or and or at the beginning I think you foam rolling your feet. Oh my goodness, that is just heaven.
1: It, I it agree. It really is. Yeah. And you can even use a tennis ball. You don't even have to have a foam roller.
2: Yeah, just make sure it's a really you know, a tennis ball is good if it's brand new. Uh, a lacrosse ball will go. I mean, they're they're like 20 bucks on Amazon. Yeah. It's not a big deal. It's worth it's worth the invest, investment because the the lacrosse ball as great as it, as it is for your feet can do so many other little things and get into smaller areas for your lat, your upper back, you know, even the glutes.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Love that. Love that. <laughs> oh. um, so with the injury prevention, we know sleep is a huge factor and that our kids are not getting enough sleep where does that come into play in the work that you're doing with the young players? Do you, do you talk about that? Do you, do you help them understand the importance of putting the cell phone away? Yeah. And
2: Oh yeah. I mean, you're hitting it all in the head for me because I just did a presentation this past week on, on recovery. And the number one thing for recovery is sleep. And the data is just overwhelming that if you don't get enough sleep uh, for for our junior players, it has to be eight hours. It should be eight hours and above. I mean, if you get one bad night, but a consistent bad sleep will increase the risk of injury. Under six hours of sleep, risk of injury increases by 75%. Um, The risk of sickness increases dramatically. And there's been a lot of research. uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give numbers because I don't remember them off the top of my head, but serve accuracy increases with increase, you know, with better sleep. And the result is uh, the opposite is true too. You know, a decrease in sleep will decrease reaction time. So, you know, it's not just more is better, but less is worse. All anyways, I think I understand what I'm saying. I hope everyone else yes. does, but, um, uh, going, going in that direction, and do I talk to them? Yeah, I absolutely do. And especially around exam time, you know, the the combination of sleep, depri- you know, lack of sleep, let's call it, mm-hmm. and then the exam period itself, obviously they're staying up later to sleep, uh, to, to study, not getting as much sleep. That combination of the stress and the sleep, thats that's a period of time that mid-November where we traditionally see injuries go up slightly because of such factors. So in that case, we just tell the kids like, look, you have a big, don't come in. It's okay, guys. It's okay to miss a day. Your game's not going to fall apart. I guarantee it, you know, take care of what you got to take care of. Come back when you're fresh again, you know, like get a good night's sleep, be ready, not have that on your mind. It's just going to be more beneficial for your studies and to your game. Because one of the big reasons, Lisa, for injuries is when we're on court and we're tired and we lose focus or our body is weak and we're trying to get out of that corner. You know, we're talking about change of direction, but I'm a little tired. My foot isn't going where it should. And maybe I roll it or maybe, you know, my lower back feels it because I'm not maintaining a strong core. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's that whole thing too of just the mental focus that
2: is required to Mm -hmm. be
1: successful on a tennis court. If you are not getting proper sleep, it's very difficult to maintain that focus as you're saying, but even things Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's an errant ball on the court and, you know, you're just tired and you don't see it, or you just don't have the energy to go Mm -hmm. pick it up. And then that's when you end up stepping on it and rolling your ankle or, or you know worse um so yeah the sleep piece is huge and and one thing i just recently heard is it's not just the quantity of sleep but the quality of quality. your sleep as well and you know i my husband and i have this kind of running thing caffeine he says doesn't affect him he can mm. drink you know a cup of coffee or a diet coke or whatever in the evening and he's fine if i have one after if I have one afternoon, it's bad. If I have one after 2 p.m., it's disastrous. Okay. And so um, but but what I just learned is you may think you're sleeping okay, but even having that caffeine late in the day, it does impact the quality of sleep that you're getting. Even if you stay asleep.
2: Yeah. The quality of sleep is is really important. I mean, I am not a good sleeper. I, I I'm just not. And I I I try and do so much to achieve that quality of sleep. For example, I'll put my cell phone away at least an hour before bed. Um, I do breathing exercises prior to sleep, even stretching prior to sleep to really try and relax the body in order to get that quality. Because I I might sleep through the night, which is rare, but when when I do, I, I could still wake up and go, Yeah. But I remember so much, like it wasn't a deep sleep. You're not getting that, that, that that sleep that's really going to help you recover to the most of your abilities. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. What are some of the other like missing pieces that you're Mm -hmm. noticing in the off-court training, especially yeah. for junior players, because collegiate players, it's a whole other issue with them. Yeah. They, they're balancing so many different demands. But let's focus on the juniors. Um, are we still seeing kids having flexibility issues? Are we still seeing kids developing injuries as children that were showing up only in adults 15 years ago, or are we starting to to get better with all
2: of this? That's a great question. I, I don't know if we're getting worse or if we're getting better. Um, the The injuries in junior players are a little different than the adult players. Junior players, sometimes, I guess, adult players too, but you know, due to a technique that isn't sound Mm -hmm. uh, will definitely affect can affect the wrist, the elbow, the shoulder Uh, coaches uh, trying to teach um, serves that are more suited for adult players. You can see affecting the lower back Mm -hmm. Um, kids in terms of growth spurts, uh, having pains, especially knee pains, um, we have to be really smart with that. It's it's not a question of just, oh, it's just growth pains, just pay, play through it. You know, it's important that we reduce the load by close to 30% and Ooh. try and take care of it as much as possible. Not putting the same um, v- load in terms of, okay, well, it's a plyometric day. Perhaps we're doing jumps. Perhaps you don't do jumps today. We'll find something else for you to do. And And being... Being smart, I think it's just being using common sense. You know, you hear, oh, the problem with common sense is that it isn't very common these days. But it's it's really being sensible. And you know, I I talk with all the kids. Like, if I know someone has something going on, like, how's it feeling today? Okay, what's what it is on one on ten? Okay, well maybe maybe okay doesn't mean you have to take the whole day out, but maybe you only play an hour instead of two hours. And and let's let's tackle this. And I think by doing that, that we can have better results with our junior players. Now, if I can add, I think the gym aspect of it is really important, especially if we're, you know, talking between a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old is really two different animals. Yeah. But for the, the kids in, that have gone through, you know, peak height, velocity and are maturing as men and women... The the way we train them, I think, is 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 truly important. We don't want to be training tennis players like bodybuilders, and I think that that is one of the big things, as you mentioned at the beginning, that if you are going into your local gym, you're going to get a, tr- a personal trainer that is traditionally and no no fault to them, but traditionally they're used to helping men and women lose weight. Number 1 is always losing okay. weight. You know, I I want to get ready for summer. I want to tone up. I I want, you know, bigger biceps or whatever it is. So that's not the program that we're looking for. We're looking at a program that is going to be designed a set of base. Just just teaching proper technique, please. Mm-hmm. Um I I can't tell you, you know, I we had this new boy come to our club from another club and I watched them the first couple of days, and I was like, so um, first time in a sports study program? No, 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 Uh, I I was at one for a whole year last year. I'm like, oh, okay, Uh, anything? Oh no, I had private, like, it was really, it was shocking, and I mean this, I'm not trying to be dramatic, I'm being fully sincere here. It was shocking at how bad everything he did physically, like, I can't believe the, the form of everything. Yeah. His running, his movement, the gym was just like, wow. Like, guys, coaches, we have to correct. You have to be vigilant. You have to be on top of things. You know, I'm known. Oh, he's so picky. Yes, I am extremely <laughs> picky and I'm a pain in the ass. I admit it. It's fine. I will wear that badge with pride. But I always find that my the athletes I am working with are reflection of what I'm teaching.
1: For sure, for sure. You you talked about we were talking about sleep and you mentioned about recovery. Yeah. I want to know what the current mode of thinking is about using heat and ice after exercise or training or playing. Are ice baths still a thing? Are yeah. What, what are the recommendations now to help these athletes recover, especially if they're in a tournament where
2: they're playing multiple matches in a day? Right. Yeah. So number one that I would say is we said sleep was the most important. So yeah. then on that list, before we get to the, um, the hot and cold, um, ice baths or, or saunas or whatever it is, hydration and Nutrition, sure. You know, we really. I just want people to realize that because I think Lisa, people sometimes are looking for that magic egg or that magic bullet. Like, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to recover so well. But in in, if you don't have your sleep down, Pat, if you don't have your nutrition, your hydration, and your programming, it's not there. Then any other massage gun or foam roll does doesn't matter. It just doesn't like it. Kind of doesn't matter. It matters, but it, it it matters less. Yeah, so the big thing with ice, you know, with ice baths right now is is that if if you're in tournament, yes, I think it's a great thing to do. It's good to uh, f- to reduce inflammation of the body. The thing that people that players have to remember is that you have to choose either ice or hot for what is the effect that you want so if you're in the middle of a season and i'm looking to get gains in terms of strength or or hypertrophy then i don't want to do an ice bath because that will negate the effects where heat might be better now if you're in let's back
1: up one second though dean so just to kind of explain that a little further Heat brings blood to the area that you're heating. Cold causes blood flow to go away from the Restricted, area, reduces yeah. the yeah. inflammation in the area. So keeping that in mind is what you're saying. What effect are we trying to achieve here? Are, do we want to bulk up or do we want to reduce inflammation, right? Is right. that kind of where we're going
2: no, it's very well said. And, and that's why during a tournament, doing an ice bath is beneficial because we're trying to get ready for the next day. Right. And then you can combine both of them from hot and cold, hot and cold, and mixing that up a couple of minutes each going back and forth, which really has an, also a positive effect. the The literature it's 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 it really is changing quite a bit, yeah uh, on on a on a you know, a yearly this a yearly base or more so. Um, again, I think for the athlete, if they feel it is having a positive effect for them, then I I say do it. you know, yeah. like if you feel you're you're better afterwards, go ahead. If you think, oh, I just want to get in a sauna and relax and everything you know be careful how long you're staying in there cuz you're probably going to we don't want to dehydrate the body more and then again it's something as i as i said on this this uh, recovery um presentation i did it's not that available for everybody cuz standing under a shower in the cold water is not going to give you the the effect you really have to have that water pretty cold and be you know up to up to your neck in it mm-hmm. So if you have a hotel room with a bathtub, awesome. Go find that ice bucket. <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't know about you. I I can't. I mean, I I say I can. If if I guess I really had to, I would. I I just. I, I, yes, I live in Montreal and I hate the code. The, uh, yeah. the cold. So there, I've just. Come it, up
1: it's it's kind of miserable. It's yes. kind of miserable. Yeah. Um, any other advice that you would give to the junior players who are trying to? build their strength, build their endurance, improve their flexibility, reduce their risk of injury, um, in addition to all the wonderful things that you've already shared. Have I missed Um, anything
2: with you? (laughs) Um, I want to add one thing in there because we're talking about building. You know, the other important part of recovery is right after you finish training or after practice session or after a month, recovery starts at that moment. And what does that mean? We have to start taking energy in. So whether it's chocolate milk or a smoothie or something, it has to start within the first 30 minutes. And I think with the th- that's what made me think of it is when you said junior players, the junior players often after practice, you know, okay, they'll stretch and they'll leave, but they won't have anything until they get home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that could be just because they're home doesn't mean they're starting sitting down at the dinner table, yeah. Um, right away. So it could be an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours after practice before they start taking a nutrient. We're doing recovery work to prepare ourselves to have a great day the next day, you know, and to to allow our body not just to recover but to adapt, right? So we can have this higher baseline of fitness every every time, so we can become. Uh, stronger, faster, you know, better endurance. Going to your initial question, I think for me, and and people are probably going to, oh, he's a fitness guy. Of course, he's saying this. You can take some time away from your fitness, uh, from your tennis, and put more time into fitness is becoming more and more important. And I'm hearing this from high level coaches I'm not like this is at yeah. the highest level they're focusing probably a little bit more now on fitness than they ever have I mean a junior player are doesn't arguably but I've seen stats that show junior players play more tennis than professional players oh yeah and if you're at the age of 13 and you're playing 18 hours of tennis a week or 14 or 15 walk that back a little. Let's get more fitness in there. Let's get you more fit because I think sometimes the pr- not the pressures, but the 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 professional style game is being implemented on our junior players when they don't have the body to respond to it or to be able to do that. Yeah. So, when why are we getting injuries? Because we're asking too much of a body that's not prepared for it. You know, missing one or two tournaments that aren't that important preparing for the tournaments that are important and developing and building uh, it's going to take you it's going to take you much further in the long run stop looking at you know tomorrow and start planning a, a more efficient and productive future
1: yeah love that and i want to just kind of throw out an idea yeah, talking please. about the post practice or post match uh Uh, energy intake, so eating, when you're packing up your cooler to go to practice or go to a tournament match, throw something in there that you can eat as you're walking off the court. It's so easy right? Yes. Just to, you know, mm-hmm. throw a bag of almonds or, um, you know, just a smoothie or something that's mm-hmm. in your cooler that's going to give you those immediate calories to help you recover. The chocolate milk in the little boxes was always our go-to and that was super easy just to keep. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Nobody's telling you that you have to, you know, get these complicated things in your kid. It's it's calories. We want yeah. Healthy calories going in them so that their bodies can rebuild and get ready for the next stress, whatever that is.
2: Yes, please. Healthy calories. you yeah, healthy calories, not a burger and fries. I mean, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that from time to time. I don't want to yeah. be that person. But also, you know, it what came to mind, Lisa, is that at the beginning here, you I had so many kids that. You know, an hour to an hour and a half within practice, I'd be like, okay, guys, like, okay, now's time to start taking in some nutrition, some calories to provide you with energy. And I'd have a good 30% of them have nothing left. And I'm like, where I ate it all during lunch. Well, lunch was already three hours ago, and you played an hour of tennis or an hour and a half of tennis. Of course, your 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 energy levels going to drop, which will drop your performance level.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's easy. Keeping bags of almonds, Mm -hmm. dates are great, blueberries are great. Yeah. I mean, and and I will say I've said this a million times. A tournament's not the time to try something new, food-wise or drink-wise, right? Please, please, please test these things out in practice for at least a week prior to a tournament because the last thing you want is your kid to get an upset stomach on the tournament court. That's miserable for everybody.
2: (laughs) That is so well said. Yeah. We don't want to try a new type of protein drink or whatever it is the day of, or listen, I always, I, I tell, I, I tell the athletes I work with keep a small diary. Okay. And when you have a tournament where you felt great, go look at what you ate that day and let's Mm -hmm. replicate that. And please pay attention. Like, was it a morning an afternoon a late evening match because that really starts playing into it when you have to start playing early in the morning that breakfast has to be solid we know we should be eating a full meal at least 3 hours prior to competition with some snacks along the way but it's not an easy um venture to to juggle you know yeah. performing uh, at a high level with uh, with insufficient energy for sure, for
1: sure. All right, Dean, how do people get in touch with you? I, I'm going to have all your social media links in the show notes nice. um, for sure, because if you're not following him on Instagram, please follow him on Instagram. He puts amazing, amazing content out. Thank um, you. But how else can people get a hold of you?
2: So on Instagram, I'll just say it it's underscore at baseline power underscore. Uh, I'm on Facebook at Dean Hollingworth. You can also find me at www.baselinepower.com where I have a video series that covers all aspects of training for tennis players. Um, and within there you there is a you can just click a link uh, if you have questions, you can send me an email. I will say I am pretty good at getting back uh, with my emails within a couple of days. Um yeah so that would be the easiest way. Awesome. Awesome. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank I you, always learn you. new stuff
1: and I love that you know you are constantly learning and then so willing to share your new knowledge with all the rest of us. So thank you for all the time that you spend Staying up to date on the latest research, participating in the research, trying things out with your clients and then helping the rest of us get better. So it's <laughs> super, super appreciated.
2: Thank you so much for having me on and right back at you, Lisa. You know, um, I have a podcast too, the tennis fitness podcast. And I know it's time consuming. And I I can see that you love doing it and you're a joy to talk with. And thank you for everything you do. Oh. Sweet,
1: thank you very much, and I'll have the link to your podcast in the show notes as well. So everybody, make sure you subscribe to that. Thanks Perfect. again for coming on, Dean. To my, my audience, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast for tennis parents by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please. Subscribe To us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.